You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's my favourite time of the week because it's Monday, it's Monday afternoon, and it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassfin in Johannesburg. David, I want to go through the SENS announcements that have come out today. You can either say yes or no to the companies that have come up with uh, results today. But let's start with the Steinhoff news, which broke at around mm. about mm. quarter past five, half past five on Friday afternoon, a forensic investigation into what we knew had happened but didn't quite know the extent of it. And also, I don't mm. think we – we still don't really know how they did no. it, but it's an awful lot of money. You know what? We're trying to piece things together. And it's, it's very difficult without going through the report. But there are going to be a lot of lessons uh, that we're going to learn from it. Uh, Lindsay, the one lesson, and I'll start up with that, you know, where you start to see uh, restructuring all the time, you know, movement of the assets, new companies being formed, old companies, you know, assets being shifted uh, between companies. That's got to be a red flag. You know, it, it does happen all the time or where you start to see Assets being inflated, such as intangibles and that, another red flag. What I'm trying to get together, and I've uh, been trying to do this for a long time, is that obviously they've told us that the fictitious companies have been created or relationships with independent parties that were actually in some way not that independent. And they created fictitious revenue. And, of course, where you create fictitious revenue, you've got a receivable or a debt against that. You know, there's there's another side to the deal. You can't just put through revenue, which is a, on one side without putting so income on the one side. It would be a credit. You've got to put, well, somebody owes me for that. You know, if I've sold something, they owe me for it. How did they handle those receivables and that's or, or uh, the accounts receivable, which wouldn't be recoverable because they're fictitious entries? And, of course, along the way, they had to convert those into all kinds of, of assets, you know, by shifting things around with, within the group. So we're going to uncover this, obviously, with PwC. But I would imagine that there would have been a lot of intercompany loans. There would have inflated money flowing between various companies in, in an effort to hide it. So uh, it must be a monumental effort that was put into this to actually try and establish what these chaps did, but how they could keep it up for so long and how they could go to sleep at night. Uh, certainly Marcus and put his head on a pillow and get in front of the radio, even talk to you, whoever he was talking to yes. uh, with a clear conscience just baffles me. You know, you've got to be a certain character. You have to be a, I don't know whether they call them psychopaths, sociopaths. Sociopaths is what Alec Hogg always would describe him as. I mean, I think Alec knew him quite well through horse racing mm. circles as well as the business dealings they had through broadcasting. But he always called him a sociopath. I'm not sure what that is, but it's certainly not a sociophobe, which I am. But a sociopath is someone who I think doesn't really care about the rest of society and blames no. everybody else. I think that's what it no. is. You know, you know, that's where when Madoff... You know, when he could, when Madoff could sit in front of a mother with her young daughter or a grandmother with a young girl and take their funds knowing that they were never going to get it back or knowing that he was cheating them. You have to be some kind of character to go to those levels, you know, down to those levels where a little young girl sits in front of you or a, a young couple and you take their money knowing that you're going to cause them immense damage or harm along the way. And I think that to an extent that was Marcus, you know, they were never going to unravel this. How, how would they ever unravel this? They were so deep. 
So, I mean, for years we get to, uh, we get, we, you know, there are a lot of lessons that we're going to learn. And I think the one thing about it is that when you start to see intercompany loans and restructuring and all those kind of things, just let that be a red flag. Just move away. You know, if you don't understand it, don't try and get on top of it. Just move on to something else. A sociopath is a term used to describe someone who has antisocial personality disorder, ASPD. People with ASPD can't understand others' feelings. They'll often break rules or make impulsive decisions without feeling guilty for the harm they cause. Yeah. That, that about sums it up, I think. That's, it does, yeah, that is. That's a very good description of what this was and certainly the Madoff situation where knowingly, you know, it's like borrowing money from someone who's close family friend and knowing that you're never going to repay them. I know besides being fraud, you know, you've got to be that kind of character that doesn't care. Okay, sure. let's go through the Stock Exchange new service announcements via the sharenet.co.za website and we'll go as they came out, David. Grand Parade Investments Limited. Yeah, their donut yeah, business has I, gone I, dunking, hasn't it? I mean, that, that's gone that's yeah, gone. Bang. It has. Yeah. But revenue was up 28% and this is for the six months ended December. Group Central costs down 39%, gross profit up 26%, EBITDA up 11%. It's all been counting stuff, but essentially they've had a tough time. They've opened a few more Burger Kings. They're concentrating on Burger King, they're getting rid of Baskin Robbins and Dunkin' Donuts, and well done. We don't need that rubbish here. No, no. <laughs> I, you know, the, the, the one thing I've learned, Lynn, is that where a company doesn't interest me, or where it's gone through these kind of changes, I just move on. You know, it's not worth going through the accounts, and I don't mean it in a dismissive way in that, because you tend to know which are good companies, which are bad, and you know, you look into them for clues, but this one's been all over the place. And uh, I, at one stage, I liked Hussey Madam. What it was, Hussey Madam. Yes, I can't that's remember right. his name. Yeah, yeah and, and subsequently, I've just moved on. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just too much to to try and understand here. You know, at the end of the day, uh, headline earnings from continuing operations. You know, these are more accounting funnies, one point two eight cents, which is hardly anything. So you wouldn't look at this thing until it uh, reestablishes no, no, itself in no. your mind, anyway. No. No, not at all. <laughs> not uh, not one that uh, that, uh, that I pay too much attention to. Okay, in that case, we shall move on to the next one. You might not pay <laughs> too much attention to this one, but I used to enjoy speaking to Carsten Wellner, the CEO yes, of Ascendis. Yes, Ascendis Health came out with its interim results to the end of December. It, it fell mm. out of favour, and it always seemed to me that it was... It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't like a mini Aspen, but it kept on looking for overseas no, no. diversification and kept mm. on buying stuff. That's, yeah, that's my and, crude assessment. And again, you know, you know what happens uh, is if you sum up these businesses, those that were very aggressive on acquisition, uh, eventually they have difficulty consolidating those or, or uh, absorbing them, and things go wrong. It's very, you know, it's it's, it's if you want to grow, grow organically, and uh, you know, have bolt-on acquisitions and that. But where you just try to take over the world, things do go wrong. Again, it's another one that is has fallen from grace and is, uh, is trying to pick up from, from where it is. But uh, it's not a, you know, what, once they go off the rails, I also move on, you know, let's see, let's see what other. And it's a pity because, let's see, you've got to keep looking for smaller businesses because 
you, we, you know, we always look for those smaller businesses that will become bigger businesses. Investec was once upon a time a very small business. Bitvest was a small business. And so, you know, dare I say Aspen was a small business. Mm. But um, a lot of these were at one stage small or medium caps and managed to grow into some very, you know, substantial businesses. So we're always looking for what's going to be the next big thing. But uh, unfortunately, so many just fall by the wayside. And I think Ascendus is one of them. Okay, so we don't look at that Grand one Parade. either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next one is Sun International. I've already spoken to Anthony Leeming, the CEO, and you can get that as a podcast. I spoke to him at 11 okay. o'clock this morning. Uh, this is for the year ended December the 31st. What they're doing is they're paying down the debt, and they're not going into mm. their shells, and they haven't been in their shells ever since no. the South African consumer came under pressure and therefore impacted their business. Latin America in the second half of the year doing a little bit better. But you know, it's a discretionary spend company, and when people don't have any money, it's it's like no. a, it's it's like no. insurance. You don't you don't spend on this sort of thing. I don't think. No, well, they obviously all their their focus is now going to Latin America, spending a lot of time there. That's where some of the growth was, and they've consolidated that into their numbers. So I think it's flattered their numbers to an extent. But as you say, they they are put, you know pushing down debt. But again, I, you know where, and also they put a lot of money into Times Square which is slowly starting to, to contribute. But, Lindsay, it is, it, it, you know, when you, when you read what they say about the business and then you look at the results, there's a bit of a disconnect. You know, things are still incredibly tough. But uh, credit to, to new management. They're trying, but I think they've got the economy against them. So, um, yeah, just uh, I see the share prices hardly responded. What did respond today, which may be connected, I'm not sure, is Togo Sun. Was yes. up about three and a half percent. I don't know whether whether there was something in the results that actually pointed towards a recovery in Togo, or whether people are switching from Sun International to Togo. But yes, uh, aren't they unbundling uh, their hotel uh, divisions, uh, uh, Soko Sun? Oh, th- is that so. what it is? Yeah, yeah I think they. Well, it's, it's been around for a while, but maybe it's something to do with oh, that's people to realizing to hospitality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but um, you know, Lindsay, when when you drill it down, it's exactly as if the local economy very very tough. It's, uh, we always thought that casinos would be bulletproof and people would still go there and spend, but, uh, not so. I don't think they've got the money to, to even gamble it away or waste it away. Advertech, let's see if we can uh, tweak your interest here. Revenue up 11% for the year ended 31st of December. Operating profit 14% better. Mm. Normalized earnings per share at 8%. A dividend per share of 30 cents was declared. Advertech, mm. do you own it? Have you ever owned it? No, Would I you don't. consider I don't, owning but it? I, I like it. Funny enough, I like it better than I, I do Cura simply because of the valuation basis. And you can see these are decent results. I think what's happening in that area is it's becoming more and more difficult to actually grow the businesses as, as people find it difficult to pay, you know, to pay yeah. private school fees. And also, uh, you're getting, you know, quite a bit of immigration and that's beginning to hurt the schooling groups. But I think this is a, this is a pretty decent result. I think if you if you want to get into this area, they've been around a long time. People will spend on on education. Companies also, you know, they also tapped into the company market, which you know uh, for further education. But um, listen, it's a number. They they might be. I'm just looking at the multiple, which in in my views, I thought they were much lower than this. This is about an 18 or 19 multiple. I think that's pretty high. That's rich. I would have thought that. Mm, I thought they were less than that. Because Curo's, you know, Curo's still at about 40, 45 or something like this. Maybe that's why, you know, there has been a switch into to Advertech. But um, 
I think at a lower level, I would I would certainly consider it. But decent business. Hewlett came out with a revised trading statement. The opening salvo this morning yeah. saw the share price down about six percent. But this is one of those yeah. industries that used to be probably when you were on the floor at Diagonal mm. Street. This, yeah. this used to yeah. be a feature of your day or your week at least. Totally. But not anymore. No, no, no. I've. I, I, I've never known what's gone wrong with this. In fact, the whole Tongard group is a bit of a puzzle to me because Tongard was, was in those early days when we were on the floor back in the 80s and 90s was a, was a, a stalwart business of the South African economy. And within it, it had uh, Huleman, which was a huge business. Um, Huleman, it had the sugar interests. The property interests weren't considered at that stage because they were mainly on the sugar side and also, of course, on the starch side and other things. But, uh, you know, to see where it is today is, is, just perhaps testimony of, of what's happening in commodity companies and also the country. But uh, they, they're a small they're, – they're not even a, a small cap anymore, Huleman. This used to be a huge cap when, when it first unbundled from, um, from Tonga. I think this was a 40 rand share yeah. or thereabouts. I'm, and I'm, my memory goes back, but, uh, you know, I think huge problems along the way. You know, maybe to do with procurement and also with their markets because <laughs> they procure, you know, they have to buy, they, it, it's not a natural resource. They have to buy the bauxite or aluminium, convert it or, uh, you know, or from a producer who has to import it. And then whatever they make, they also sell it at, at export prices. So today the market cap one, one and a half billion, which Good is in a fraction. One tenth of where it used to be. So if you take Ulimin and, Tong, yeah. and Tonga together, they're about three and a half billion yeah. in total. And that's, that's nothing, Lindsay. That's no. absolutely nothing. And, and, uh, it just shows you how far they have. I always remember driving in, you know, whenever we were down in the Natal coast and used to drive past, I mean, cause the, you know, the Tonga family, the Hewlett family, should I say, were a hugely, uh, you know, very affluent family, very influential family certainly used to make the social pages, etc., and I think they're still influential down that area. And I always remember passing the Tongart. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was always a highlight to go and visit the Tongart estate. Yes. Uh, they had these beautiful offices with Gwella Goodman paintings all over the place and, and, and see where they are today. It's crazy. Mm. Anyway. Okay, so you, let's, let's summarize here. You don't like Grand Parade. You don't like um, no, Sun International. No, no, you don't like no. Ascendis. You don't no. like Hulamin. Um, how about Bell Equipment? Bell. <laughs> Bell Equipment. Let's have a look at that one. Provisional auditor well, results yeah, for yeah. the year ended in December. <laughs> do, you like, do you like this type of equipment? Probably well, not. They, 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 probably not because there's no spend. <laughs> in her, there, there's absolutely no spend. So, I mean, it's, it's very difficult for companies like this to... To operate, I know they have, uh, and you know they do operate internationally, and they're well respected. But uh, very, very difficult area of the market to get involved, with. unless of course you're in 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 uh, mining. But um, you know, not not an exceptional result. Revenue flat. up ten percent, uh, headline yeah. earnings per share up three percent, final dividend yeah. unchanged at twenty five cents. But at least they've. Mm. Um, spent something on you. We are pleased to report that during the year under review, the group has maintained the positive momentum sparked in 2017 by delivering another set of solid results, despite a significant currency devaluation loss in Zimbabwe. When I read things like that, I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't get depressed, but I feel a little bit down. Yeah, of course you do. Well, you know, I, I, I think we are so, we've been so battered by results. And, and these are the end results. Uh, in other words, uh, 
we've gone through almost two months of results and uh, or six weeks at least. And there's been very little to crow about or to get excited about. There are one or two companies that have done reasonably well, but by and large, it's been you know, a very, very tough time. And in even where companies have done well, such as the supergroup, it's been on one cylinder here and there. Transactional capital stands out a little bit, you know, doing a well-run business. So very odd, but at the top end of the market, uh, extremely difficult, ignoring some of the miners where there has been a turnaround. But the banks have given us nothing to get excited about. The insurance companies also just bemoaning the tough times here. And so it goes. You know, retailers all under pressure. Mm. And we've seen it in performance. At the moment, you know, I'm looking as I talk to you, the market up about 1.4%, which is an exceptional run today. It really is. Which is, yeah, which, Lindsay, it's been driven, you know, when you analyze it, it's, it's actually been driven by the UK, by our, our foreign listed stuff. So it's, uh, because of the weightings in the market, if you look at what's really driving it up, it's been British American Tobacco, it's been uh, Tencent, it's been BHP, Glencore, Anglos, ABM Bev is up quite nicely. These are all up in the UK and, of course, on translation, it's lifted our market. Um, of course, there's been a follow-through to some of our uh, to some of our stocks as well, but this is really lifted by by offshore markets. Very little to do with the local economy. Yes, you got the all share top forty futures for June uh, delivery, uh, which is um, what is it now? It's March, so we've got the futures close out on mm. Wednesday, mm. Uh, the June month, uh, up two and a third percent, up eleven hundred and fifty seven points as we mm. pre-record this interview. Some big volume going through the market as well. It's a public holiday on Thursday. Maybe people are lumping all their trades into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and going away for a long week. Can. That would be the sensible thing to do. Uh, David, just back to Steinhoff before we talk about football. It rallied up to, I think, two rand and nine cents or two rand and ten cents this morning. Now that this report is out, do you think people are starting to understand it a little bit more and therefore are able to understand and value what, what is left of the business and there may be an opportunity here? Or again, do you just say, not a chance will I touch this thing? Not a chance will I touch it. If I look in the UK or, sorry, in Europe at the moment, uh, remember this is a 12 euro cents. So if it goes down one cent, it loses seven or eight percent. And of course, obviously what happens is people are translating the, the offshore price into, uh, you know, against the euro, which is now 1640 into our market. So I think we've been given a lift by maybe the weakness in the euro, but I wouldn't touch it. I think, I think, uh, it's going to be very difficult to unravel when we read the 300 pages. I think we'll get a closer look as to who the characters are, you know, involved and how they're ever going to, um, uh, you know, how we don't know the value of these stocks, you know, because already, we're waiting for the report. So whatever PwC comes out might say that a lot of the valuations uh, that we're even trading on presently are not really real, you know, because you've got to undo so many deals along the way, uh, you know, that there, that there are a lot, a lot of loans. You know, a lot of assets might be grossly, grossly overstated, particularly intangibles or goodwill or things like that. So mm. I would just run for the hills. You know, I'd just say, look at I don't need this in my life. There's so many other, you know, so many other things that are happening globally. Nothing has been of any interest to David Shapiro today, so you're going to have to come up with something that's going to interest us. us. Give us an idea, please. So, you know what? You know what's, you know what's intriguing is that um, American markets. I'm just looking at the U.S. market. You know, we're about only three percent from the all-time high. I must admit that 
Uh, I knew that in December maybe uh, markets had gone to a low, which was a bit uh, overdone, but I didn't expect the kind of turnaround that we've seen. But um, I've been doing quite a bit of reading, uh, you know, tr- trying to find new themes and that. And I have to be – I still get intrigued by – by the numbers, I, I, let me give you a number then, which I picked up, which will give you something very, very positive okay. uh, to think about. I was looking at the Chinese, and this I picked up in The Economist. I was looking at the uh, uh, the Chinese travel numbers. There's a $240 billion deficit, which means, uh, in other words, Chinese people traveling out versus those that are coming into China. Right. So. Chinese are are traveling. They're spending two hundred and forty billion uh, traveling outside of China, and every time they are big spenders when they do travel. So, what's uh, I know that we had Prada's numbers out today, which were down on that. But but I think what intrigue, what we haven't fully discounted is the growth in the Chinese middle class, which I think is going to keep going, and how these people will continue to spend despite all our obsession with the slowing China. I think. I'm not sure it's going to affect the middle class to that, you know, to that extent. So, um, you know, w- when they go, they they love to buy LVMH and Gucci and all those kind of uh, big brand names. I think this is something that's going to persist and still remains a very interesting or attractive area of the market to me. And, and I also, haven't even got onto the gaming side. Well, no, but also yeah. the, at the micro level, I was watching a program over the over the weekend. I think it was on CNN, actually. And they were featuring the tourism uh, aspect of the mm-hmm. Cape Town economy. And they went to Hrot Constantia Wine Estate. And there was a gentleman there who is not only well-versed in the estate's wines, but also fluent in Mandarin. And this is something if South Africa can mm. start to cater for the sort of surge in tourism yeah. that you've just spoken from that particular country, China, that is, then the, the sky is the limit because they are, they really want to be made to feel at home. I, I know yeah. that from, no, from, from seeing these we, tour groups. Well, absolutely. I know we see plenty of Chinese tourists in South Africa and that, but the more we can attract them, of course, it's going to be to, uh, to our benefit. It's, it's funny when in the same article, they tend to go to Manila. They tend to go to Seoul and that. And when they looked at their hotel bookings, um, biggest attraction, Liverpool, <laughs> which beat Venice and Barcelona. Uh-huh. Liverpool, I'm not sure why, but. Anyway, that, that, that did come up. This is on the sea trip, you know, sea trip, which is the online booking. A lot of the stats were uh, taken from sea trip, which is the online, uh, uh, booking agency. Booking.com has got a share in that as well. So, uh, you pick up. So I'm saying for me, um, that remains, uh, you know, one of the positives that certainly from the reading that I, I did over the weekend. David, you mentioned Barcelona just now, and we always end our Mm. chats with football. Mm. There was no English Premiership this weekend to speak of, and I want you to broaden your horizons a little bit. And after I've put the phone down to you, I'm going to send you a clip of the highlights of a match between a a team in Spain called Real Betis and uh, FC Barcelona, where Lionel Messi scored his 33rd career hat-trick in La Liga, 51st in his career in all competitions. And the third goal was probably one of the best. It's probably goal of the season. And I've never seen this before. The home crowd, i.e. the real Betis crowd, bowed down to him and sang his name as to a man. The whole stadium did. And he was obviously taken aback by this. His colleagues had their head in their hands because the goal was so superb. Good luck, Manchester United in the Champions League. That's all I can say. Well, well, if you were to watch Manchester United, uh, you'd feel really distressed for them because I think... uh, 
they all went missing in action after, uh, and poor old Solskjaer, you know, I think, I think he's finally realized perhaps what poor, you know, what Marina faced because I don't know where they were. Um, you know, after losing to Arsenal, one would have thought that they would have picked up their game. Um, but unfortunately not. And and Chelsea were even worse. I turned off, I turned off the Chelsea game because I thought they were going to donner Everton about six and I thought, ah, not worth watching. And also went just, I don't know. I don't know when missing in action as well. So from an Arsenal supporter, for me, that's great. But I think the only reason Arsenal are going up the ladder is because the other teams are just playing so poorly. David, you won't be missing in action. You'll be back this time and next week. That's David Shapiro from Sassfin, and that was Shapiro World. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.